I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Loss of Words betting podcast. I'm joined as ever by Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are we doing? Yeah, all the better for yesterday, mate. Lovely way to kick off 2024 with a big winner at the Century. Uh, Chris Kirk at 150 to 1. I think we were kind of talking ourselves, or I was talking myself out of it, that we should probably be looking for places. And we talked about the... (laughs) 110 to 18 places, didn't we? Um, well, it was only me saying that. Like you were fully on board, well, uh, just taking yeah, the five places, 150 to one. I was, I was like, yeah, maybe you should take the eight places. But, but what no, I do, not... listen to you because you're smarter than I am normally. So no, I don't... not at all. No. <laughs> no, but then, no, no. But there we go. Anyway, whatever price anyone got for that, oh. um, well done. Um, hopefully, a few of you were on and and enjoyed it. Good way to kick off the week and. I thought, Brad, for one minute, you were going to steal it off me with Jordan Spieth um, while he was rattling off five in a row. Um, yeah. Then found himself in a bunker, didn't he? Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a, it was a great watch. Like he did give it a good go, um, and yeah, I thought he was uh, might he might catch Kirk eventually. But to be fair, like Kirk didn't give anything away. Like he was so impressive, fully deserved it. I think the manner in which Spieth lost it, obviously, like plugged up against the lip of a bunker it kind of sucked you know you've yeah. been watching for that long and it's like I feel you never know he could have maybe if he got a break there and could have birdied that hole and you never know but either way I think Kirk deserved it I was just so impressed with how he played um I was just relentless it was funny wasn't it because even when like the gala ties him gets in the clubhouse like everyone just assumed he was still going to win like even when he was one shot behind because he had the he had 16, 17, 18 still to play at that point. Um, ties him going into the 17th, makes an unbelievable birdie, doesn't he? He changed from a 7-iron to a 5-iron for the win, which was really bold in contention. Yeah. Um, puts it to, you know, whatever, however many feet, three feet, whatever it was. Um, and then goes down 18, stress-free. Still hits like a ropey drive. And you think, like, not by ropey, is it not bad, is it not a frozen rope drive down the middle? And then mm. didn't really take it on, did he? I thought, oh, he could have just gone for the birdie. But no, I'm glad he just tied it up. And actually, the, the putt was longer than I was hoping for on that on that final yes. hole. Um, but yeah, he was good. I think the only time I was sort of worried a little bit was on 10, I think it was, where it was one of the shorter par fours. And he had a chance. I think he was like 70 oh, yards no, out. Was it, was it 12? I think it was, might have Maybe been 12. 12. Yeah, where he had, he yeah. had like 70 yards, didn't he? And then... Um, they said yeah, he left himself like day. 12 foot yeah. for birdie and then missed it. And they missed yeah. that. Um, and then, yeah, I think it might, it might have been 10 and 12, actually. I think like 10 was like... He's he was giving himself opportunity yeah. after his opportunity. He was, yeah, he, he was going for every every hole. And then all of a sudden on, on 11, I think it was the par three, he just put it within like an inch, didn't he? And that was that was kind of when mm-hmm. you felt good about him. Um, and yeah, like, you know, long shots don't win that tournament. It doesn't, it doesn't really happen. Um but I think in Chris in Chris Kirk's circumstances, I don't think he really is by all intents and purposes. He, you know, we were just discussing this before we come on. Like six-time winner now, like it's mm-hmm. he's not a long shot, really, is he? Like if he's in form, he's one of the better players on the tour, like outside of the very elite. So he's um, just, I think it's like maybe he hasn't been showing. He finished the year pretty like not very well, did he? Like he wasn't yeah. really hasn't had a top ten in 
ages i think yeah. since the texas open so but you know what a nice break like christmas break come back refreshed you know he's got an excellent record at the sony open and he's played well at this course in the past um i don't know i think it was a, a crack and shout and I, I he wasn't on my radar until you uh, i spoke to you about him and then yeah. i was like oh, did i put a bet on him no i didn't because i'm an idiot <laughs> um but yeah, crack and shout, mate. I think it was just when, like, because obviously, as you said, they didn't have a top 10 for ages. But when you looked at his RSM Classic, like, he got better every round, like 69, 67, 66. Very 66. true, yeah. So he had, like, this kind of little bit of form taken into the final um, bit of the year. And as you said, gone away and, and kind of improved on that. And look, I think, I think especially probably the RSM was a little bit similar to last week. Like, there's people that were shooting kind of. You know, 20 under par they had no chance of winning and it's not quite the same with the rsm like they're probably like kurt might have been 13 14 under whatever he was i can't remember exactly but like he might have only been like eight or ten under but there was still good golf that just had no chance of contending and sometimes they get kind of lost so i think that's something to keep in mind for the week just gone is that did someone play pretty well shoot 16 17 under par but just looks like they were terrible because the winning scores it's yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's probably something to keep in mind uh, for that. But we'll start with the DP World Tour this week. Um, I guess a very quick recap, um, Brad, on kind of the full part of the, or the, I don't know what we call it over here, like the, the autumn swing in the in the, the DP World Tour where they sort of officially started the season. Um, mm-hmm. Dominated by live players. It was, yeah. East Fison was like quality like it looks like like his old self but yeah i don't know it's it, it's it'd be nice it's, i'm looking forward to uh an event without the live players let's put it that way so it's, it, it's, it's definitely back to the sort of this feels like a proper dp world tour and although again it's only a shorter field well, this week isn't it so it does yeah it's got that it's also pro-am format but it's, it's getting closer it's getting closer i mean neiman's actually in the field isn't he for the event next right. week, Dubai Desert Desert Classic, yeah. which yeah, I'm trying yeah, to work yeah. out because I knew why they were playing in the other ones because they were sort of um, co-affiliated events with the Sunshine and the Australian tours. He's So he's basically in on the basis that he's won a Rolex or won a Rolex counting event this season. Um, but does that mean that if a live player wins any event that they're allowed to play into, they can then just play any event like I don't, know, I don't really i still don't get I, that honestly I, I i'm i'm lost by it to be honest <laughs> i don't really know no. the ins and outs like people just find them in um in fields so and i'm like how's he in there and then you just <laughs> do your digging shouldn't but, be there yeah. should he but there we go look it, they are and look i think them being in the field essentially makes it a better event in the end but um it, i'm glad that they're not here for this week just because there's enough to figure out as it is without trying to figure yeah. out whether live players can win or not so um Let's look at the field. Rory McIlroy is a three to one favourite ahead of Tommy Fleetwood, who's sevens. Nikolai Hoygaard, twelve to one. Adrian Ronk, sixteen to one. Rasmus Hoygaard, sixteen to one. Ryan Fox, eighteen to one. Theorbjorn Olsen, twenties. Um, no surprises at the top, Brad. Maybe surprising in the sense that I don't know. Rory could be five to one, and Tommy be nearer ten to one. It, it, they're not taking any chances on those two, are they? No, um, they're really not. No. Yeah. Well, there's two trains happily, of happily take both of them on. Well, that's the thing. There's two trains. Of I'm glad that they're kind of three and seven to one because technically it sort of helps you kind of get value in the rest of the field. But I don't think it's happened this time around as such. Like, 
I look at some of the players in the sort of 25 to 33 to 1, 40 to 1 range. I think they're players that kind of are in there at the best of times. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't yeah, think yeah. that the value that you normally get from such a short favourite being in there is, is necessarily there. But it makes it a better event. Rory being in the field makes it a better event. Tommy being in the field makes it a better event. So from a viewer perspective, it's great they're here. Yeah. Um, I can't get to them. I can't put anyone off them. I think I think Rory McIlroy can absolutely win. I just wouldn't be doing it at three to one. Um, I also just don't think it might not be his his kind of course. Like, I mean, I know Rory can show up yeah everywhere, but this is like a shorter track. Um, well, give, give give us a bit of insight on that, bro, because no, I, I, I don't know it yeah. all too well. I've just done uh, what I've looked into it. It yeah. just seems quite strategic and tighter than the other sort of desert tracks that we see. Um, there's lots of water hazards. There's lots of variety on the course, like short and long holes. Um, yeah, I just think there's, there's quite a bit of trouble. I think it's, it's, it does seem quite strategic. Obviously it's only 7,059 yards past me one. Yeah. Um, the, the final uh, two holes look brutal. Like that's like it's called Dubai Creek Golf Club. Um, and the creek, um, I think it runs up both the, the last two holes, like 17 and 18th. And I think it's just it's a lot of trouble. I think there's a long bunker on the right. This is on, on the 18th. Water on the left. Um, it's very tight. It's gonna. I think there's gonna be drama on Sunday. Let's put it that way. Um, and then you've got a sloping green as well, um, which is protected by a body of water. So, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it looks. It looks a really good course. Um, I, I don't think we've seen it. I, I think we might have seen it in the past, but it, I think it's, it hosted the Asia Pacific Amateur Championship in 2021 and. A couple of Mina Tour events, which I think Todd Clements did quite yeah. well in. So the, um, the one person everyone's talked about is Todd Clements and that Mina Tour thing. I didn't know about the Asia Pacific Cup. Is, is there any players from that? that we no, should... there isn't. No, no, no. Okay. I looked. Um, at, yeah, I looked. At, uh, there wasn't. And it hosted this event. It hosted, sorry, it hosted the Dubai's as a classic once. This course, uh, way back in like 99, 2000. Things like Thomas Bjorn would be the only player in this field that had any sort of experience there. Yeah. Um, but Otherwise, it's the same designer as the Dividers at Classic Course, the Emirates, or the Mahis Course at the Emirates, or whatever it's called. Um, but we don't think it's going to typically play the same as the other desert events. And I think I think the thing with that, Brad, is that like, you'll look at Roy McIlroy, and you'll look at Tommy Fleetwood, and even Nikolai Hoygaard. You look at those three players and go, look, they've got a fantastic Middle Eastern record. They're great in these desert events. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why they're so short. And as you're saying, it, it could potentially not play out that way. We don't know. We don't. We don't know until it's played. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some way it will, but I think it just. I don't think it's. Um. I, I think it's got a little bit more to it than just strategy, you know like. Yeah. yeah, I think strategy-wise, it could catch a few people out. So. Also, we um, Yeah. I think looking at courses. Sorry, I was going to say looking at courses which require strategy is sort of something I've. I've looked at this um for this what event courses did it throw up for you when you're looking at that um so i've sort of you know like crans it's because that's quite tree-lined yep. that really rewards accuracy you know it's quite quirky the golf national as well lots of variety in holes uh gary player again it's tricky requires a lot of strategy or else you can get yourself in trouble big time yeah Alderama, uh belfry you know little just um courses like that really yeah. Um, obviously, then you've got the Middle Eastern form, which is massive. So I've just sort of that that form sort of I'm looking at. But then you, I think you've got to take into account a player that has turned up in the Middle East as well. 
Well, the person that ticks all those boxes and all those courses you mentioned, um, and he's got the Middle Eastern form, he's got three top tens in the Middle East over his kind of last 10 or 12 starts, 11th in his last start in this part of the world. Uh, Rasmus Hoygaard is 16 to 1, Brad. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, you and Sky did a preview show just before Christmas, didn't we? Um, sort of yes. looking ahead at the 2024 season. And I sort of named Rasmus Hoygaard as my kind of guarantee that he's going to get the PGA Tour card, if you like, uh, one of the top 10 uh, cards. I, I can't, I still think that, and that's why I'm going with him at the start of the season. Um, but give us give us your reasons as to why you're picking Rasmus Hoygaard, and I'll add anything if needed. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I've, I've got a feeling Rasmus is in for a, a big year. Um, like 2023 was a bit of a mixed one for him. Um, he won at home um, at the Himalayas, uh, then fell seriously out of form. Only started playing well again towards the end of the year. Um, I think what hurt that he narrowly missed out on joining um, his brother on the PJ Tour, um, and also obviously on the, the Ryder Cup as well, which he he did. He wasn't really in contention to make by the end of it, but I think at the start of the year you you might have had him in front of his brother to make the team. Um, but yeah, he was still there alongside his brother supporting. But I reckon if you asked him, he'd much rather be playing. Um, yeah. But yeah, his his brother is progressed ahead of him now and uh, I think that will only act as motivation he'll want to join him I do think they are different players like Nikolai has that unbelievable power which can tear a course apart whereas I think Rasmus I think does enjoy that more strategic sort of tighter quirky course and I think Dubai Creek looks like it could be his cup of tea Um, does look quite strategic Uh, it's tight lots of trouble in the shape of water a uh, variety of holes, short and long, and he just he has abundance of form that I found relevant on these courses. The ones that I mentioned is he's obviously won at Crans, second and fourth at the Golf National, sixth and seventh Gary Player Country Club, uh, fifth at Valderrama, and he he won at the Belfry as well, which that's got loads of water, like loads of through lakes and nasty bunkers, so you've got to be accurate there. And he has a fairly decent record in the Middle East. Uh, nothing to really, well, he, hasn't, he hasn't ever won here, but he's yeah. had some good, yeah, he had some good finishes. He's had sit for the Oman Open, sit for the Saudi International, sit at the Raz Al Kamar Classic. And he's also been ninth at the Abu Dhabi Championship and at the D- Dubai Desert Classic. Um, so yeah, he's yet to win, but his results certainly suggest he enjoys playing golf in this part of the world. And I just think this course, although I don't know an awful lot about it, other than just a little bit of brief homework that I've done on it, yeah. um, it I feel like it does look a good fit on paper. Um, and I, he finished a year strong. Um, and I imagine he's going to have a little bit of a B in his bonnet after last year's near misses. Yeah. I, just, I fancy him to come out hot and contend. I, I really yeah. I said, I said if I had anything to add, then I'd add it. I don't really. Um I very much agree. I, th- I think for me, you're right that Rasmus is potentially a more well-rounded player than his brother. Um, I think Nikolai is drawing closer to that. I think Nikolai before was he purely had the driving, didn't he? And it was very volatile. Whereas now, I think he's more well-rounded. But I still think Rasmus yeah, yeah. is that strategic player that likes figuring out a course a bit more than Nikolai does. I think Nikolai mm-hmm. still relies on that driver. And it was that finish to the season really that that to me, really stood out. He, he'd won the Maiden Himland out of nowhere, really, because he was struggling with injuries, wasn't he? I think even that week he was struggling with an injury when he won. Um, and then he sort of finished fourth in France, sixth at the Ned Bank. 
He was 11th at the Tour Championship. He had uh, rounds of 65 and 66 at that um, Tour Championship as well. Um, and his best round of the week at the Nedbank came on a Sunday. So his most recent rounds have been really strong. And yeah, like just looking at those kind of efforts you've listed off in the Middle East, he was even the 36th hole leader at that Raz event when he was sixth. So he's he's just been really solid. He hasn't got the wins that Nikolai's got, a couple of wins in his part of the world, but he has got contending form and he has got, you know, probably the best current form of, of many players. So it's... Yeah, I can't really find a fault in him. I thought that there was a little bit of disparity between him and Nikolai in the market, which is understandable with, with how yeah. Nikolai finished the season. But um, yeah, all, all in on Rasmus to start the season until he proves otherwise. So mm-hmm. absolutely love that. Um, obviously, very I'm always very close on Thurbin and Onison. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, like him as well. I think he's a big prize this week. I think 20 to 1 is... Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think with him, like... Because I was on Rasmus, I just didn't go there. But like, he's so volatile, like price-wise, that like even if he doesn't, like let's say he finishes twenty-seventh this week or something, which would be actually be middling result in this length of field. But like, if he finished that way, his odds would suddenly get a bit bigger, I think. And yeah, yeah, oh, I sort yeah. of banking on twenty-five, twenty-eight. Yeah, it could almost just be thirty-threes out of nowhere. And I think, I think sometimes he's really underrated in the market. I don't know if that's going to take a while because of how he finished it last season but I, a I PGA Tour player now isn't it yeah so. I, th- I think he could go and play you look at some of the prices of the PGA Tour players this week I think he'd go and be a hundred one of the PGA Tour events soon and, and is there any reason why he's playing here instead of the Sony Open this week I, I think it's purely going to be that he's going to play next week um, in Dubai and he's probably going back to back I think he likes his yeah. Middle East oh, well, I think he's a Dubai resident I think so yeah I so I, I think so. maybe he just, just likes to start his year in Dubai. Yeah. I guess like going over to Hawaii is not a short trip, is it? So, uh, no. but yeah, I think I think that is it, and I think it just maybe a sign of things. The one thing I'd say about him, the sign of things that he really does think he can win. Otherwise, why wouldn't he go to the PGA and get kind of a for, what, for what it's worth? I think he's gonna do really well on the PGA tour. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's one of them players that can play well on a, like a number of different courses. Yeah. I think he can. I think he can contend in pretty much anything. To be honest, I don't think it's. I don't think it's field strength or course dependent or anything with him. I think it's just how he turns up that week. And if he's on a run yeah, of form, yeah. I think he can compete with the best. I mean, he's showing it. He was sixth in the Masters debut, whatever he was. So, oh, exactly, um, yeah. yeah. He, he's a top top player. Um, Tristan Lawrence, I thought was you know on the run of form that he was on was was interesting, but he seems mm-hmm. to find a way to lose at the moment. And I didn't didn't love that. A thirty three to one. Um, yeah. Obvious enough, but let's go on to. So we already agree on Rasmus Hoygaard. Let's let's go on to the second person we agree on uh, this week, mm-hmm. uh, which is Dan Bradbury. And I'll kick us off this time, as I made you yep. talk all the ones last time. Um, he's just hitting the ball better than everyone else, isn't he? Like he's just he's hitting the ball absolutely brilliantly. I, I think I described you as filthy ball striking um, over <laughs> text, and, and it is. It's just it's unbelievable how well he hits the ball. And I think we kept waiting for Brad for the bubble to burst with Bradbury, didn't we? Like, oh, he, yeah. he's won really quickly. Then he's straight in the final round of a um, Dubai Desert Classic. So final group of Dubai Desert Classic with Rory. Like, it's going to burst. And it did burst that day. He obviously fell down the leaderboard. But I just love him as a player. I think he's really good, really strong, come out quickly. I think he truly believes he can compete. He's, he's been up there in the Ned Bank with all those kind of PJ Tour players as well. Mm-hmm. So he's got all of these experiences that he's building on uh, and really happy to kind of stick with him. He he had that 
60th place finish in his Abu Dhabi debut, but he actually had rounds of 67 in round two and 69 in round four. And then we know that the week later he shot a 60, uh, 63 in round two at Dubai as a classic and a 68 in round three to go into the final group with Rory. Um, same designer. Whether whether the course is going to be similar, we don't know. Um, but 17th for the uh, DP World Tour Championship as well. And he improved every week, every round there that week. So I just mm-hmm. think with, with Brad Breed, limited sample size, of course, but he's been okay in the Middle East so far. One of the best ball strikers in the field. Three top six finishes and two seven, uh, top 17 finishes his last seven starts. I don't really know how you go against but I know he missed his last cut of the year uh, yeah, in 2023, yeah, but right. it had to eventually run out of steam. Um, yeah, yeah I, you know, people will look at it and go, oh, you know, it's Dan Bradbury at 45 to 151 in a field that's got Rory McIlroy, but he's already shown that he can compete with him in, in the yeah. Dubai a Classic. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I've been so impressed with him. I think he's been outstanding like since he's got his DP World Tour card. He's just settled in, hasn't he? Like it's just settled in straight away. And as I said, with well, you said with uh, Rasmus being your certain for a PG yep. um, tour card, I, I put up a uh, Dan Bradbury. I, I do really strongly fancy him to get his PJ tour card this year. Um, he's just as you said, he's a, a really top ball striker. He's got great control of his golf ball, and I think that will be important this week. Um, I like the fact that he's finished eighth. At the Belfry, as I said earlier with Rasmus, like that's, that's, that's good to see. Like, that's quite a tight track. And 10th at the Sadao Open, like Rinkven, I think it is the Belgian course, isn't it? Um, it's sh- short, strategic. Um, that's always a course that rewards accuracy. So, yeah, that that caught my eye, that top 10 there. Um, as you said, he hasn't had that much experience this part of the world. Um, but, yeah, small sample size. But he did finish 17th place at the DP World Tour Championship tougher field I think he got better as the week went on as well so yeah I, I really I really just um have been so impressed with him and I think at 50 to 1 he's uh, a good bet this week really good bet I just yeah I just, I just think until we're showing otherwise we should consider him one of the better players like it he's as good he's as good as these Jordan Smith and Thurston Lawrence and Soderbergh's all above him in the market I think um Probably not a million miles away from what Ryan Fox is. Now, Ryan Fox is proven winner at this point uh, beyond kind of Bradbury. But it took him a while when Bradbury's done it straight out of, out of the block. So, yeah, um, I think it's important he backs. He's got, to, he's obviously, to, before he gets like up there with them sort of names, I think he will need to add another win. Yeah. Or like, But I, st- I do think the trajectory in which he's going is just, yeah, it's just in- incredibly quick. And it's, I'm just, um, I just don't, can't see how he's not going to get better. I really can't. I, I guess in some ways that second win for him is going to be way harder than his first because it, well, obviously because he just came in his first, like yeah, DP World Tour start as a, as a member. He, he nearly, he nearly backdoored it at Joburg again, yeah. didn't he? Um, I think that's the thing. Like I think he's going to be one of those ones now where he's going to, he's going to find himself as the 54 hole leader, expected to win because of what he's done already, and it's going to be tough. And it's how he comes through that as to what that will be the test. Yeah, because we've seen it so many times in the past. Yeah, I think if someone can hold a 54 lead, then you, you've got like someone, a player, like a real player on your hands. And I think, I think with Bradbury, I was saying this earlier to Sky. Like I think, and it's probably a bit of a lazy comparison because they're good English ball strikers. But is he? I think he's the sort of person that, like a Jordan Smith that could show up in a major out of nowhere. Like, I know Smith never contended, but, like, 
he was ninth and twelfth in majors, whatever it was in the PGA Championships. I, yeah. I see no reason why Dan Bradbury, if he snuck into a PGA or an Open, couldn't kind of find himself in the top twenty, top uh, top ten, top twenty of the leaderboard yeah. of a major championship. Does Sky um, fancy him this week? Yeah, yeah, he likes him. Yeah, so, so all three of us are uh, all in. Uh, he also likes Calais Samoya for uh, the record. Yeah, he is one of my last off my shortlist. I mean, another player who's just he's obviously got his uh, live card yeah. playing stress free. Great this um, part of the world. Uh, well, he knows he's going to get the most money he's ever had in a season without even yeah, playing well, isn't he? So yeah. it's all about kind he's of just, he's just playing this for fun. Yeah, it's, it's it's all playing with extra extra credit in the bank now, isn't he? So um, there we go. Whether that's a good thing or not, we'll soon find out. But um, my next pick, Antoine Rosner, is a player. I had a very short leash on him last year. I, I backed him for two or three weeks in a row, and as soon as he didn't do it for me, I kind of yanked him. Um, and he is that type of player for me. I, I give up on him a little bit quickly. Uh, so I've gone back to him to start the season. Three of his last five starts, he's ranked inside the top four in strokes gain approach. So he's obviously hitting his eyes incredibly well up there with Bradbury in terms of being one of the better ones in the field. Um, open with a 62 at the Mauritius Open before he fell away. He was 15th the week before the Alfred Dunhill. He was second at the DP World Tour Championship after 36 holes before he fell away. So he's he's doing these kind of intermittent rounds where he's, he's kind of showing a bit of life, but not putting the four rounds together, Brad. Um, mm-hmm. That's... Uh, there's a multiple reasons for that. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's his putting, it's his kind of just all round, I don't know, it's just his scoring ability, like he just maturity on the course, I don't know what it is, but he doesn't seem to be able to just get the very best Put out. Four of rounds it. together, yeah. yeah. He never used to, I mean. He's well, he come out of the blocks, didn't he? And then he's just, he's just found it tougher, hasn't he? Um, but when you look yeah. at his location form uh, in the Middle East, he's obviously won uh, the goal from Dubai Championship. He's got yeah. a ninth, um, at the Abu Dhabi Championship, I think it was, or the Dubai Desert Classic. He was then fourth again in the Dubai Championship, 36-hole leader there. Most recent one, obviously, the 11th at the DP World Tour Championship, I just said, where he was second after 36 holes. There's every reason to think that he likes this part of the world. Mm-hmm. And the way he's hitting it and the way he kind of finished 2023 suggests to me that Antoine Rosner uh, can be a contender at 50-1. to one. And I think that's about the price I sort of like him at. He, he often comes in at 25, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's much. He's normally much shorter, isn't he? Especially yeah. in the Middle East. So I think yeah. that's just where he's sort of tailed off a little bit. And this is a good time to sort of jump on at that well, price. It's such a short field. What is it? Sixty players this week? Is yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a big six. upside of yeah. taking him at that price. Yeah. So, I mean, so. I, I was close on Otayigi as well around that same that same region, just because of base accuracy. Yeah, I like this. I like this area. I like Soderberg a lot. He's been playing well and. Obviously, can play one as part of the world. I just, I just thought the extra value on Rosner, and I've got with Rosner and Bradbury. I feel like I've got players that what I'm, what I'm going to end up doing is moaning at the end of the round that they haven't made three or four putts that they should have done. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's nice to be in a position where they're just constantly putting themselves in opportunities. So, looking forward to seeing what he puts in there. Um, both of us with our final picks are going into the hundreds. Nice. Anything before that? Yeah. You sort of uh, brought your no, own? I've sort of mentioned a few like I, 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 Kali Samoya, so Sky is yeah. on. I, I looked at him, Otayigi. I was close on Richard Mansell. He's been I've been following him on Instagram. He's been prepping for a, 
quite a bit of time um, in the Middle East, and I think he's due for a big year. At 55 to 1, I probably would have liked him sort of the same sort of price as Simon Ferguson, I think, to sort of have a bit of interest. Uh, I think he was just that little bit too short for me, but I was close on him. Um, but yeah, no, I think into the triple digits now, and I, there's one that I think could be, um, yeah, he's, he's volatile, but if he's on, he's on. And he could, he could, he, <laughs> I think that's a fair <laughs> statement for both of our players. Uh, <laughs> and and I think my one I give the world's longest leash to. So I'll go first in that, that Sean Crocker is 120 to 1. And <clears throat> I think Sean Crocker in triple digits for me is going to be, or 125 to 1, sorry, is going to be a bit of a backbreaker. I'm just going to go to it more often than I'm not. Um, in t- unless his ball striking just suddenly falls off. If that happens, then I'll, I'll quickly duck out of him again. But his last... Five starts, been fourth, 18th, eighth, and 18th, um, with one missed cut in there in terms of strokes going approach. And then his actual form in that period of time, uh, he was 43rd at the Andalusia Masters, which is nothing to write home about, but he was ninth in Qatar, where he was fourth after 54 holes. He was 20th at Ned Bank, where he was pretty solid all week, got better as the, as the week went on. Missed the cut at the Australian PGA, but then bounced back at the Australian Open. It's a really weird week there. He, Open with a 66 to be sixth after round one. Shot a 74 in round two. Yeah. Um, I saw this earlier when I was looking brutal, at him. Yeah, brutally fell away. And then he shot a 65 in round three to give me hope of a place. And then he shot an 81 um, on Sunday to fall into 60th. I think, to be honest, I think the, the first two rounds were basically tee time related and, and kind of wave splits that 66, he got a generous side of the draw and 70 foot support, he's a bit shafted. The 65 was obviously... He was playing well, probably made a few more putts than he normally does. And then the 81, I think he just went a bit too hard to try and... Cause, might have had a few, few too many yeah. beers after that 65. Yeah, he could have done as well. Yeah, he's, he seems a bit of a boy, doesn't he? So it was either that or he just... I just think he looked at someone like... I think it was Minwoo Lee that won that... Was it Minwoo Lee? Was it um, Joaquin Neiman that won that week? That he was obviously yeah, just yeah, trying Neiman, to... Neiman won the second one, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was just trying to push too hard, I think, to, to chase. So um, whatever. We'll, we'll find out. He's either... 81 is where he's at with his game right now or it's a 65 and I'm, I'm willing to find out in the Middle East he's a, he's a good player in, in this part of the world yeah um, and a good player guitar masters as well yeah so when you think about my my kind of run of picks of being Bradbury Rosner and Crocker it's pretty obvious that I'm just relying on hopefully someone ball striking this course to death so um, yeah, get a hot putter yeah, looking looking forward to 18 missed footers, like uh, missed free footers for the week. But there we go. It is what it is. Um, final pick for you then, mate, uh, to round us off. Yes, I've got Andrew Arnell, same price, 125 to one. Um, yeah, there really wasn't much to shout about last year for him. Um, it was quite a disappointing year for the most part. He was runner-up at the SDC Championship in South Africa, and he did start off the year quite strong in um, Dubai, uh, tied 13th um, at the Desert Classic and tied 6th for the Raza Kamar Championship. So that catches the eye. Like I think he does start strong, especially in this area. Like um, he, we know he's a quality player. Like he, I think last year it was extremely underwhelming for a player of his quality, and he want to put that behind him. Start the year strong. It's a blank slate. But he's a he's a Dubai resident, so there's every chance he could be familiar with the course. Um, 
don't know that for certain. It's just yeah. you'd like to think so. Um, but yeah, I imagine he's been grinding off season, make up for last year's disappointment. I expect him to start the year strong once again. As I said earlier, though, he is extremely volatile. He can be completely erratic off the tee at times. And yeah, he can finish dead last, basically. Um, but when he is on, um, he's on. And I do like the upside. Um, he's got a great record this part of the world. Um, one at Raz on the Challenge Tour, third at the Saudi Open, third at the Dubai Desert Classic, T- two top tens as well um, at the DP World Tour Championship. Um, he's normally better known for his power off the tee, but uh, surprisingly he has shown up on the tighter strategic courses um, in the past. Um, he was runner-up at the heavily tree-lined Kenya Open, uh, second at Valderrama, and he's been sipped at Kranz. Um, yeah, I think he's far better than what he showed last year. Uh, batteries we've re- refreshed. Um, I just I really like the upside at 125 to one. Any yeah, any thoughts? Um, any thoughts on the live links at all? Whether that plays a part on it? Whether he's trying to force that over the line to get onto yeah. Ram's team? Whether he's, whether he's yeah. I mean, you'd think he would be one of the the recruits for sure. It's well, be tough, definitely it? in the picture. Yeah, it's either he's gonna. There's two, well, there's three ways of looking. He's either going to be motivated to get a win before he departs, he's going to be motivated yeah. to prove John Rahm he belongs on the team, or he's going to be absolutely devastated that John Rahm's gone, no, actually, mate, like, I've actually managed to um, get someone that is actually really, really good and consistent and one of the best players in the world to go on my team, so you're going to miss out. Like, there's there's a couple of different ways it can go. Yeah, yeah, you could, I didn't even think about it, to be honest, when yeah. picking him, mate, but yeah, uh, there could be a little bit of a motivation thing going on there. Yeah, so um, I think, who, who else is rumoured to get on that team? That's all I've seen. So I think I think there was he was on potentially on it. They basically just picked out the Spanish players and just gone. Oh, yeah, Tagi yeah, yeah. and no one else. Um, but I think I saw Tyrrell Hatton and Tony Finau and they both kind of said no. I think yes. so. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I, I think I my thing for this season is potentially to not think about that too, like the live thing too much at all. Um, don't try and second guess live players coming into the events just back them if they've got reasons back them like who's yeah. in south africa and burmese in south africa uh, obvious really um i guess neiman was a little bit harder to pick in australia because he'd, he'd been struggling a bit hadn't he but like it's got they, they want the world ranking points as well yeah you know? yeah no, it's, it's definitely motivation factors aren't they so yeah uh, maybe arnaus wants to bag a few before he does depart but we don't know it's all speculation yeah uh, samuja maybe as well yeah, exactly that. I mean, I think with with Samoa, like it's it's Samoa, got so many yeah. different um, things. Like he's had a career, isn't he, where he's not really been able to settle, which is weird because he lost two playoffs in 2019, 2021, then one in 2023 or 22, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like he's still never really managed to settle, and all of a sudden he's now going to get millions regardless of what happens in the event. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's a funny place to be in. It's it's an interesting career change for him. Um, he's done well to get on there based on that qualifying, didn't he? So um, I guess one, a couple of others that I kind of looked at, I always just look at Daniel Hillier at the prices, didn't really find anything to kind of support it other than the fact that I, I like him at the price. Um, Todd Clements, we mentioned, has played this course on the mean at all when others haven't, but I don't think that really means anything um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then Callum Shinkwin, I was just a little bit interested in based on um, Dubai is a classic form and I think it was third there last year and 
um, just just can up his game in his part of the world, but, but I didn't get there. So mm-hmm. that was me for the Dubai Invitational. Any closing comments on that? Ben? No, no, no closing comments. No, oh, no. Excellent. Let's go over to the Sony Open then. It's actually probably one of my favourite events of the PGA Tour year, which I don't know mm-hmm. why. I don't know if it's just start of the year and it's quite calm watching it on in Hawaii and you know you get a good group of different players, don't you? Um, yeah. Sort of competing there. Oh, I think it's all. I, I love this event as well. It's just picturesque, isn't it? It's just nice to watch. And yeah, it's the first nice full time. field back, isn't it? It's yeah. First full field back. It's, it's probably that. Like, I've probably missed betting. On, I think it's the first time you sort of get a bit of value on players, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, luckily last week that wasn't the case. But, like, it's it. that's not – that's rare, isn't it? Normally it's a sort of 20 Everyone, Everyone's itching to hear who you've got in store for a long <laughs> trot this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that even a blind squirrel – catches them that once in a while so <laughs> thank you to um, you're too hard on yourself man. I, i've actually just tweeted that as well because someone, <laughs> someone said to me i should follow it it's more often i said yeah don't don't rely on it but um it it's a good position to be in it's a nice way to start the year um and I, I just yeah i love this event so we'll dive into it i think at this point brad most people that would listen to this podcast uh religiously would know exactly what is on offer for the sony open mm-hmm. but Yep. I'll give a, a little bit of a sort of recap on it that for those that might not. If it gets really windy, the scores can be tough. If it doesn't, it's going to be 20 to uh, 20 under or better. Um, it's far more strategic than um, Kapalua, where it's just bash it and, you know, make a birdie. Whereas here you've got to kind of deal with dog legs and tree line fairways and things like that. So I'd slightly favour accuracy over distance, but neither particularly matter off the tee. It's all about your kind of short irons and wedges um into very small greens brad yes very small greens indeed so it's a good event it's a good way to start do you do you have like a player like do you look at the the course comps of kind of the coastal courses and things like that model i think you've got got to look at the course comps i mean it's just the shorter positional courses uh the ones that are bermuda grass as well that's sedgefield uh harbour town uh sea island yeah. Um, yeah, I think them three are the, the main ones. Um, I mean, there's also a bit of Colonial you could look at as well. There's been lots of crossover there in the past, like Kevin Nahr and I'm trying to think who else now. Kevin Nahr someone else. There is crossover from Colonial, though. I haven't got it at hand, but yeah, I was looking at it earlier. So yeah, they're, they're sort of, they've got sort of a similar profile. You know, it's quite easy scoring, can be wind exposed. So yeah, them, them courses... You still, you can't you've got to have a look at them it's, it's just that's it's just that sort of course isn't it it's like a web simpson sort of chris kirk it's that short positional course that yeah you see the same sort of players turning up every year yeah i think you, we're looking at sort of zach johnson's ryan palmer's um maybe jimmy people, walker yeah matt kuchar and that have all been colonial oh, yeah matt kuchar's the main one for sure yeah so yeah all, all of those types of players do well here it's interesting because you look at it and you think, oh, it's a bit of an old man's course when you look at kind of Jimmy Walker's and Coochers and Kevin Nars and but then Henley won it on his first PJ Tour start. Um Cam Smith wasn't exactly old when he won it. Hideki and Siwoo Kim the last two years are not exactly, you know, veterans. I know Hideki's been around for ages, but he's still not old, is he? So um yeah, it's a bit of a nice mix really. And then even when you look at the ones where the older ones have won it, people like Neiman have had a chance, Kirk had a chance in twenty fourteen. Um, and again in 2021 so 
be interesting to see if he can kind of go back to back. If he can that's go back said, to back. That's what I said to you earlier. I'm sure you must be on him after last week. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those ones of trying to chase too much of a good thing I'm a bit concerned about. But um, he, he's very capable of putting sort of runs together. Um, I don't think he's shy of... He hasn't ever won back-to-back, I don't think. But. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a really fair price this week, 33 to 1. I, think I, know you don't see, I know you don't see it often. But. No, but I think he would have been that price, for, like even without the win last. It's almost like he's been punished, I think. Like, I think he's he would have been... It just looked of, so easy for him last week, though. You know, he didn't look... Uh, I felt like he just could have kept playing and playing. You know, it just yeah. he didn't really... didn't feel like he was sweating. <laughs> to give context, yeah, to give context as to why we think he could have a really good chance again, he's had what five top uh, ten finishes uh, over the last essentially ten starts. He's, if he doesn't, if he makes the cut, he sort of finishes inside the top ten. If he doesn't, you know, it's a it's a short week. But he's had two runner ups, a third, a fifth, and a tenth. So um, absolutely loves his course. Had a couple of opportunities to win, um, both you know both times coming really close. So yeah. Obviously, Chris Kirk is, is a factor again. But three Europeans to open up the betting bread. Ludwig Aberg, 16 to 1. Tyrrell Hassan and Matt Fitzpatrick, 18 to 1. Brian Harmon, 22 to 1. Former winner Russell Henley, 25 to 1. And then you've got um, 30 to 1 and bigger the rest. Were you close on any of the top sort of five? I think, I think the way Brian Harmon finished yeah. um, on Sunday or yesterday, I I was thinking, or oh, if there was a, a big number about him, um, he could be of interest. Um, this is his type of course, isn't it? Uh, even though he hasn't really done it here. Well, well it's interesting, isn't it? Because he's not he's got one top ten here in his career, but he's I also feel like he should do so much better here, don't you? Yeah, he's also got back to back thirteenth place finishes where he was fourth after fifty four holes once. He was when he was 20th, he was 10th after 50 hole holes. When he was 4th, he was the 36th hole leader. Um, when he was 32nd, he was 6th after round one. So if you look at it kind of like in isolation, a little bit like I did with Kurt last mm. week, like his results don't necessarily reflect his ability, which I'll come on to with someone else in my picks yes. yeah. in a minute. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. He, he was the only one out of the top five, really, that I sort of considered... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Russell Henley loves it here, doesn't he? But I always consider Henley. I, I think... He's a player that actually could have a really big year. Um, I just, yeah, again, he, he's he's had a couple of really, after winning here, he's had a couple of really bad um, experiences, hasn't he? So um, slightly worrying. But, um, yeah, but did you know that Brian Harmon, I don't know how up to date this is, 3,949 birdies on the PGA Tour. Um yeah. Apparently, I don't know if this. Apparently, leads the PGA Tour. I don't know if this counts some older players or whatever. But yeah, oh, wow. in history, three thousand nine hundred and forty-nine. But it's because he's played four hundred eleven events. And I did not know. Uh, yeah. yeah, second best is Keegan Bradley at three hundred sixty-eight events. But so it might just yeah, be the yeah. pure amount of starts he makes. Bit of an Iron Man. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there we go. Brian Harmon, plenty That's thousands of birdies. Yeah, um, Sung J M broke that record yesterday as well, didn't he? With most birdies in the tournament. Well, um, that was, that was purely what we were talking about with Sung JM though. Like I was worried he was going to come and nick it, but only Sung JM could make the most birdies in the event ever and still not win or even contend at winning really. Um, he just had too many doubles and bogeys. It was strange. He'd have one good round, then he'd have a round where he was just throwing in a mistake. Yeah, but 
Christ, he looked on fire in that final yeah. round. He's just giving himself like six foot, seven foot for putt up for birdie every time, just yeah. knocking it in. Yeah, he loves it. He's good, good player to watch when he's on. Yeah, um, he is. 31 then, Brad. First pick. Oh, I must admit, I came incredibly close to uh, yes. Corey Connors. He seems popular this week. Um, yeah, I mean, you can see why like course form has held up pretty well in this event over the years. Um, Connors has an excellent record at YLA Country Club, like third, 12th, 11th and 12th in his last four appearances here. Um, he's always been a fantastic ball striker, but struggles with his putting. He had that typical Corey Connors performance last week at the Century. He was uh, 17th off the tee, third on approach and ranked 54th in putting, losing over five strokes. He has hated them greens at Capilouro over the years. Um <laughs> He really has, uh, but he he's he has spiked on the greens at Wiley Country Club in the past. Um, from his five appearances, he's twice finished inside the top ten for putting, uh, gaining over five strokes. Um, so that's really encouraging. He has got the better of these greens before. It's pretty eye-catching, especially with how uh, good his approach play was last week. Um, we all know how important um, having being dialed in with your irons is at this course. So. It's all going to depend on whether the putter improves, but he's certainly going to give himself like a bunch of birdie opportunities if his ball striking continues on from last week. And he, he just seems like a bit of a creature of habit, Connors, doesn't he? Like he, he has his places where he shows up. Um, he won the Texas Open at San Antonio twice. Excellent form at Augusta over the years, like repeated form and. Yeah, Wiley Country Club seems like it's is one of his spots. So it's just going to all depend on the flat stick. And it's just fingers crossed if he spikes of it this week. I've got a feeling that last year was the only, I'm just trying to look now. It might have been the only time he's come to this event after playing the tournament champions. So he might have made his tournament champions. I don't know if that's right or not. I'm just trying to sort of corroborate that, but I'm pretty sure he's only made one appearance at tournament champions. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe you just have that kind of, he's got the putting out of the way, got used yeah. to the kind of slow greens in Hawaii. I mean, he's still, even when he played there last year, when he finished 18th, he then finished 12th the following week and he lost all the strokes on the green. But it, it just makes me feel like he might've got another year more comfortable with this course, another year more comfortable playing in Hawaii. Um, can only be a good thing, can't it? Um, yeah, I, th- I think they're just the easy, well, the easier greens, I think, here, and well, to a certain degree. Um, and he's going to find more greens than most of the players in the field. He's going to give himself lots of opportunities. Um, I just, just, I think seeing that he's done it in the past on two occasions, that he's had, he's been in the top ten in putting here. I think that was the the point where I was like, okay, let's take a chance on him because he's done, he's done it before. He spiked, had a good spike putt in week. So, yeah, I, I just about got there. There was, it's quite, a, it was, as I said, Harmon, I was quite close with yeah. up there. Um, but yeah, Connor's, Connor's got the nod in the end, 28 to 1, eight places. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably the first pick of the week for me, um, and obviously my first pick tonight on the show, JT Poston, 33 to 1. Mm-hmm. Just a very, very solid PJ Tour player at this point of his career. Uh, we know what he is, a couple of time winner. And I just think he turns up when the course suits, and it's as simple as that. And well, this, this is a person I was referencing at the start of the show where we talked about Harmon and the fact that he's never really done it at this course. And, and people will say the same about Poston. But I 
think you look at the individual rounds and he's okay. So he's played yeah. it six times. He's never finished better than 20th, which he's done twice. And he's, and he's missed a couple of cuts in that time. But when he when he missed a cut in 2021, he opened with a 65 and was 10th after round one. The following year, he finished 42nd uh, and then finished 20th again last year. He opened with a 64 to sit 8th um, and then closed out with a 66 to bounce back from those couple of quiet rounds when he was 43rd. And then last year, he was more consistent all week, 66, uh, 67, 66, 67 to open. And then he fell 11 places because he shot a 69 on the final day. So there's obviously a bit of low mm-hmm. scoring going on. Um, so when you look at that and just think about the fact he's opened with really nice rounds, even in missed cut uh, opportunities here. I'm pretty confident that he can, because like, I think it's a course that you need to have seen a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. I think all but Russell Henley over the last 12 have actually played here before, um, and nine of them have played here. Nine of the winners have played here twice. So there's definitely a bit of experience needed. And okay, it might have taken JT Poston five starts or six starts before he gets his win, but I don't really care as long as he gets it. Um, He's got third, sixth and eighth place finishes at Heritage, 10th at Colonial, which you talked about earlier. I think they're, they're great kind of things to look at. He was fifth mm-hmm. last week, and that was his second top five of his last three events. And when you think about the 44th at the RSM Classic, he actually opened and closed with 66s as well. Uh, so to me, there, there's really very little going wrong with JT Poston's game at the moment. Perfect horse yeah. fit for him, even if the sort of the form suggests he shouldn't be and I think that was one of his wins though I think it was like the John Deere or the Travellers or whatever he hadn't played well there before but there was no reason why he shouldn't have done and eventually he figured it out um, I think it was Sedgefield I think yeah uh, the winning championship yeah and I think he'll I think yeah maybe it was yeah Sedgefield and I think he'll just do the same here at some point I think JT Poston will win at this course so um, yeah. 33 to 1 in this I'm on I'm on there with you mate I'm completely on there with you I think he's a great bet this week Uh, and he was really good to watch yesterday like (laughs) he was getting a lot of coverage um um, and he he was on fire he got incredibly unlucky on a couple of occasions he chipped him was in the hole wasn't it yeah yeah he chipped him the eagle only for the ball to come straight back (laughs) out like it was just ridiculous um he also had a, a couple of unlucky lip outs with the putter as well yeah. Like he shot 65, but it really could have been a lot better than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what t- t- tied fifth, yeah. like great result to kick off, kick off this year. Uh, he improved round by round. Um, and he, he lost strokes on approach over the course of the four days, but in his final round, he ranked 13th on approach and gained over a stroke. So yeah, that was important to see for me. Um, yeah, as, as we said, crucial to have your irons firing. Um, not the best of records, as you've already said, but yeah, them low rounds surely say that he, he's certainly capable around here. And he's he's just playing the best golf of his life, it feels like right now, isn't it? He's, he's levelled up. Yeah. Four top tens finishes in his last 10 starts. Hasn't missed a cut since June. Um, he's great in easy scoring conditions. Excellent with the flat stick and has a win on a short positional course at Sedgefield. So I just think, what more do you want? I think yeah. it's, uh, he's he's great price and um, he's, the, he's a man in form and I think when when people look at his sort of record and think oh he's you know his best he's ever done is you know a couple of 20ths right I, I don't think I think this is a course where you can just get caught out so easily if you're just not absolutely on it that week you're gonna get your you're done yeah. because Pat and Kazai missed on his debut and then won the very next start finished 13th following that and 7th following that um, Hideki Matsuyama one of the best players in the world 
when yeah. he won here. Um, he missed his first four cuts of the course and then finished 27th, 51st, 12th, 19th, and then won. Like, it obviously just takes a little while to figure out. Ryan Palmer won here and then finished 52nd, missed cut, 66th. It's not, mm. it's not a course where, although experience does hold up and course form does hold up, it, you don't necessarily yeah. have to have had I think I think experience you, accounts. Yeah, experience. And also, if you look, if they've had that low round, you know, yeah. they've shown that they can do it, just yeah. not over a consistent base of the week. I think that's something what we, obviously we can see with Poston with the, with the rounds of 64 and 65. Like that, that shows. And that's, I think that's a little bit of hidden, hidden form. And that's where you can find the value. And that's I think exactly that's what nice. happened to me with Kirk last week. I'm just, I, I felt like Poston and maybe one other thing I'm going to mention, no, probably just Poston actually, mm-hmm. is the one. He's the closest person to what I had with Kirk last week, and I know it's completely opposite ends of the betting market. But you look at it and you go, okay, well, 64th on his debut is pretty poor, but he actually opened 68, 67. It's not bad. And then finishes 20th, but he's actually 12th at the first six hole stage. He misses a couple of cuts, but he's actually 10th after round one in one of them. He finishes 42nd, but he opened 64, closed for 66. And then last year, uh, 67, 66, 67, and then just falls away. Like to me, He's done everything now. He's kind of done his little apprenticeship of, of Wiley and I think he's ready to, to rock and roll. So mm-hmm. I could be getting really excited about a player that, you know, isn't isn't the best in the world. But I, I think he's he's certainly capable of winning here. So pretty yeah. confident. Um, next pick for me, uh, there's, a, there's two at the same price. So I'll just go with the one that's highest up on, on Oz Check at the moment. That's Andrew Putnam at 50 to 1, eight places. Putnam for me... Last year, I felt like he was going to break through again. Like I know he's obviously won, but it was the Barracuda, wasn't it? So it was an opposite field event. And the one place where it looked like Putnam could have won over the years is here. He's been second and fourth in the past five years. He was second to Kutcher in 2019, but he was second after every round. He'd shot a 62 on Thursday and was still second. Um, so he, he really was on fire there. Uh, closing round of 62 at the Worldwide Technology Championship before Christmas, where he finished fifth. And even last week when he was 40th, like 40 from the really short field event is it looks really poor on the face of it, but he closed with rounds of 67 and 64. Yeah, really like a, yeah, just opened with a 74, which is unacceptable at the century. But first round back after a break, you never know how people are going to, you know, struggle. And I think he's now coming into a course where okay, he, this is better for him. He loves the shorter course, a bit more coastal mm-hmm. um, than Kapalua in, in the sense of you know plays a bit more like the other ones and. Yeah, just another one that he's got a 66 in a round in a tournament where he's finished 69th here. He's finished 57th, but he's actually had a couple of good rounds, like open 69, 67. Even when he was 27th, he opened yeah. closed with a 66, 67. He, he just puts lots of low it's rounds. He's nice shot 62 round here, isn't he? Yeah. So I, ju- I just think he's a he's a yeah third round and an opening round. So he hasn't quite done it on the payday um, yet. But he's never been terrible. He shot, I think he shot 68 on pole for those Sundays. It's just a course where if the wind is down, you have to do better than that. Um, which is probably just the the story of his career so far, is that he's been good, but not quite good enough. And um, yeah, I'm banking on it potentially changing this week. So happy with Andrew Putnam. Uh, yeah, I, think he's, I think he's cracking value this week. Yeah, good, good player. A really good player and someone I think can really kick on. And the other one, completely opposite end of the spectrum, veteran Matt Kuchar. Um Cooch. <laughs> exactly that. And he he is, so was he played like 10 times, last 10 events here, he's uh, missed two cuts, 
the otherwise he's finished in top 10 seven times um, or top eight seven times and 13th once as well. Of course, in that time, he's, he's beaten Andrew Putnam to win in 2019. Back-to-back seventh place finishes here where he was third after 54 holes two years ago, 64-66 weekend last year. Uh, third round 62 when he was 13th. When he was third the year before that, he was the 36th hole leader. He just absolutely loves this course. And, yeah, it's just 63, 65's galores. And he's got so many rounds of 65 at this event um, or lower. I, th- I honestly think he's probably the best player in this field in terms of, you know, course form and, and history. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the course horse for sure. Yeah. And when you look at his recent form, I think he's actually better than than people think. I know he's obviously shown up enough, but you look at it, he was seventh at the Fortinet, but he was actually only three holes behind Sahith Fagala going into Sunday uh, there. And then he finished 19th at Andalusia Masters. He was second at the Worldwide Technology Championship, where he's a 54-hole leader. And then even at the RSM Classic, he was 53rd, but he was actually in contention halfway through that event as well. He was uh, sixth after round one and uh, fifth after round two. And he only shot 69-70 over the weekend. It's not like it's not, um, you know, brutal. So mm-hmm. I think just fatigue probably kicked in the end of the year. He was content. That would have been three times he would have contended on Sunday out of his five, last five starts if he'd uh, carried mm-hmm. on at the RSM. So for me, Matt Kuchar... 50 to 1, you, you, you're being asked to take a bit of a price on a on a wily veteran, but if you're going to do it, it's going to be at the Sony Open. Yep, like that a lot. I, I think there's a couple of players here that should have better records than they do. JJ Spawn finally showed up last year on a course that I thought always suited him. I think he was 12th last year, so he's one to keep an eye on. Brendan Todd. Doesn't it feel very much like a Brendan Todd golf course? Um, mm-hmm, and he's another, one, he's another one like Poston. 13th, 20th, 21st, 20th. Never really. Did he? Did he purposely mean to um, break his driver? Break his driver? Because I, I, I don't think he did. I, I saw it again, and I wasn't sure. He just, he, he just, he just, yeah, just. I think he just let go of it and just smashed it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I saw it a couple of times, like when I was watching that. But I was just like, uh, yeah, he's a funny one. It's like the last person you want doing that as well, isn't yeah, it? Exactly that. Like, it's the shortest. Desperately needs his driver, like you can't, you can't <laughs> take off of him. Um, but yeah, Paul Desori on the bag for him now. Brendan Todd, uh, he'd obviously have had a few rounds around uh, Sony under his belt, and, and Todd second after two rounds last week, tenth after two rounds at the RSM, sixth after two rounds at Bermuda. So I think he's he's there or thereabouts, Brendan Todd. Um, but I just mm-hmm. I, I preferred Putnam and and Kuchar in the range. Um, yeah, yeah looks at. Kitty Armour, it looks at Rogers, both players I just don't necessarily know they're going to get over the line. Uh, and then Justin Sir was another one I gave a quick glance to, but mm-hmm. didn't get there in the end. But your final pick, Brad, rather than me going through this, the players I didn't back, um, you give us your final pick of the week. Yes, I've gone for Ben Coles, uh, 100-1 to 1 years now. Um, and yeah, he absolutely blitzed the Corn Ferry Tour last year, ranking out uh, Top of the points list by 300,000 points. Um, he won twice and finished inside the top 10 on six occasions. Um, he's, he's had a bit of a roller coaster of, of a career so far. I think this is, this is going to be his third time gaining his card for the PGA Tour. He's uh, he's only 33, so yeah, some going. Um, but yeah, admire the grind. He's, he's never given up and he actually does look stronger than ever this time around. He's, he's wasted no time at the RSM Classic. Uh, back in November, it was his first event back as a reinstated PJ Tour member, and he finished tied fifth. 
Um, he closed with a 63. Um, he ranked third for approach that week, gained over four strokes. Um, sea Island is also a good comp for this week as well. Um, another short positional Bermuda golf course, yep. easy scoring conditions. So yeah, that's, that's always good. Um, and he heavily relied on his accurate play last year on the Corn Ferry Tour. He was second for greens in regulation and eight for drive and accuracy. Um, he's not the longest off the tee, so this course will suit him better than others. And he's probably eyeing this one up um, early doors as a place he can play well at, uh, get some points on the board. Um, he has played at YLA Country Club twice before. Um, he's twice made the cut. Uh, he played it at the start of his career back in uh, 2013. I think this is when he first sort of started out and he finished tied 41st. Um, but his most recent start was back in 2022, a couple of years ago, where he finished uh, 27th. Um, he shot a third round of 64 and was sitting in 11th going into the final round. Um, he slipped back with a round of 69 on the final day. But yeah, it's, it's certainly a course that suits... Um, he has five top 10 finishes in his last six starts across the Corn Ferry and PGA Tour. I just think he, he he's a lively long shot this week and yeah, I had to be on board. Yeah, I was looking for a player who just finished like the Corn Ferry Tour with a plum and that's how I landed on Ben Coles um, mm-hmm. because that's what Russell Henley did. Like people sort of thought Russell Henley came out of nowhere, but when you look at it, he ended 2012 with figures of first, third, first and sixth on the Corn Ferry Tour um, yeah. and then comes and makes his PJ Tour debut and wins it. I don't think you're necessarily going to find someone necessarily like that, but Coles, I think, is probably the closest you're going to get where it is someone that's clearly in a, a great run of form playing well he's played I mean he's got the advantage of what Henley didn't have in the sense that he's played here in the past um and by all accounts like you just said played well so there's no mm-hmm. real reason to doubt Ben Coles um like you said 11th after 54 holes last time even on his debut opened up um with 67 and finished with 268 so he clearly likes a golf course yeah um the other one I looked at in that kind of mold but not quite as um prolific as, as those two but um Jake Knapp, has, has, I think he was the one that got his card at maybe at Q School. Um, yeah. yeah. But, he, but he finished the Corn Ferry Tour uh, season off pretty well. He finished fifth at the Pinnacle Bank, 13th at the Alberton um, Boys Open, fifth at the Nationwide, and 10th at the Tour Championship. Just wondered. I couldn't really find anything to suggest mm. what type of player he'd be, um, yeah. other than the fact that he finished fifth at that Suncoast Classic, which I know... Yeah, the Suncoast Classic. Just looking at that now, yeah. Fifth ninth place. for the Mexico Championships. I wonder if he's just... Maybe he's all right at the at the kind of wind events as well. Mm. So And he's 17th for the Bahamas. So he's, he's interesting because he's won three times on a Canadian tour. I know it's obviously a completely different level, but he's obviously okay getting in the mix when he can. He's suddenly 170th in the world, which is his best ever rank. Um, so I just wonder mm-hmm. if Jake Knapp's a player on the ascendancy. He's not. I don't. I don't think he's a youngster. He's like 30 years old or whatever. But I think you know he's actually. You look on tour tips over the last uh, 15 weeks or so. He's only got a couple of events showing up, but that ranks him as 20th best in the field uh, in terms of form. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah interesting. Jake, Jake Knapp might. He's probably just one of those like kind of. It could even just be as simple as a top 40 play or something like that. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, he's 250 to 1 is the best price outright. Um, so there you go. Do with that information what you will. Um, could be anything. Mm-hmm. Back to Kucha quickly. I think I said about him being 50 to 1, but I think 
the, the one play you could do is 40 to one with 10 places on Coral. Um, and considering his kind of record of just finishing inside the top 10. Take, it with, that, take uh, it with Labrooks. Yeah. You get 10 places and you can boost it. So there you go. Do it Labrooks. Even better. This is why you're here, Brad. You make all the kind of <laughs> smart choices. Um, I just thought Echavaria was quite a popular sort of name that I saw around today. Um, yeah. I mean, he's got a, a right profile for these um, wind-affected coastal tests now, hasn't he? Yeah. So, Which makes sense, I guess, because he's what, is it Colombian or, or so he? it's, it makes sense that he'd play well in kind of testing conditions at times. He 25th in his century. I'm sure it was his debut uh, last week. So just a player that you know hasn't been able to piece anything together even after winning. Puerto Rico Open, but he won the Puerto Rico Open, then 31st in Mexico, then 44th for the RSM, 25th last week. He might just be at a, it might just be this is in his wheelhouse, isn't it? So Absolutely, interesting yeah. to see. He was actually 12th here last year um, with two final uh, two final rounds of 65. So 261. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty eye-catching, isn't it? Yeah, he's an interesting one uh, and a name that I think does belong. I think him and, and that Jake Knapp or someone I'd be looking at in kind of like top 40s, top 20 markets. Yeah, so actually the one for me was Harry Hall, who you know is yeah. one of my favourites. But yeah, yeah, uh, he he played quite well here last year. I think he finished like 20th or 27th. I'm, not sure. I'm trying to get it up. Um, but yeah, he played well. But what I liked was he, he probably should have won Colonial at Colonial. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty good comp for this week. Um and so, yeah, that sort of caught my eye. And he's he's pretty good at the wind-affected tests. Um, but he he didn't finish the, the year as strong. Uh, he had a couple of miscuts. Uh, but, look, doesn't matter. We've seen with Chris Kirk, he's just yeah. recharged the batteries, come back. Um, so, yeah, he he's someone that at 200 to 1, I think, 175 to 1, 10 places. I was I was actually pretty close to taking him. Um <clears throat> So he had four rounds in the 60s last year on his debut, 27th, which is steady enough. Yeah, nice. 266s. Um, he, he could be just a top 40 play, maybe top 20. Uh, but I do like he he was he was close for me as a long shot. Fully committed to the, he's shaved his head now, hasn't he? He's completely yeah now. Yeah. Fully committed to that, which is something I need to do at some point in my life. So maybe I should just follow in the footsteps of uh, Harry Hall and I think he's get, he, he just got married. He, he, I think he dyes his beard as well. Maybe he could follow him like that. Oh, well. Like a blonde yeah, moustache, goatee, whatever he got. Yeah, get some just for blokes in the. What a swaggy geezer. Yeah, that's it. Maybe that's all he needs to do is to get the old flat cap on just for blokes in the beard. He's he's yeah. just got married in Vegas. I'm getting married in Vegas, so maybe we should there just. Go. I mean, I'm no good at golf, but we can kind of follow <laughs> his career path a bit. Um, interesting player, right? One one to talk about quickly. Pearson Coody, he's won three times on the Corn Ferry Tour, hasn't he? In the space yeah. of two seasons, very hit or miss. What type of player are we looking at with Pearson Coody? Pearson Curdy, I would say he's got power, an abundance ball striker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's, 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 he's a power Texas guy, isn't he? And then he's yeah, um, Texas. He'd be good in the wind. That's what I'm thinking. Um, good in the wind, and he's won in Panama as well. So I just wonder if he could turn up here. Mm. I know he probably needs a bit more of an open, open course maybe. But yeah, yeah. My boy Sam Stevens out at 250 to one. Jesus it, Christ. 
Is he the one that you're going to have to let go of this season, do you think? I think so, yeah. It's... Uh... He didn't even have that bad of a year, to be honest. But he he, he contended, I think, a couple of times. Um, but yeah, he's been very quiet. Like, he didn't hasn't been playing much at all. No, I mean, no one, none of them have. But as in, like, even before the break. Yeah. No, no, he didn't know. What about? Uh, I think the bubble's burst on Chesarevi, isn't it? He he, his little renaissance is is gone. But he's yeah. he's a big price. Right, let, as well. Yeah. I think so. Who do you think is going to finish top DP World Tour player this week? That's going to be a fun one to go through. So who have we got in the field? We've got Super Sammy Valamaki. You got Bjork. I mean, he's going to be favourite, I reckon. He is, isn't he? Isn't he a hundred? Isn't he like a hundred to one in the market, Bjork? Uh, I'm sure I saw his name somewhere. Uh, You feel like this is a good cause for him as well, wouldn't you? He's a hundred. You've got hundred twenty-five to one, Tom. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you've got Bjork 125 to 1. I think, isn't uh, Bobby Mack in the field? Bobby uh, Mack is in the field. Yeah. He's 150 to 1. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Matt my, Schmid, you like, yeah. Well, we need none to. Well, he's there. Yeah, he's, my, he's my final pick anyway. So sorry. <laughs> I sport that for you. <laughs> yeah. There he is. Matty Schmidt is my final pick. I don't, I don't, I don't even class him as a DP World Tour player now, though, because he's... he's yeah, it's true. He's contended uh, everywhere. <laughs> he's a PGA player, I think, really. Um, but with Schmidt, I kind of... When I first looked at him, he was kind of in the 100 to 1 market, and I was like, oh, whatever. And then I wrote my um, odds checker column, which I do on a Monday, and he was 270 to 1 at the time I was writing it up. He dropped to 200 as I was posting it, so I dropped him down there. Um, obviously slightly different odds because it's just outrights over there. So 120 to one with places over here. But when I digged into that kind of massive 270 to one and why was that, I couldn't, I really couldn't figure it out. Like he's been red hot form, both sides of the pond. Um, should have won the end of this year. Masters 54 hole leader there. Could have won the Bermuda championship. Obviously Vajegas, I think it was, you know, destined to win that in the end, but he finished third. And then the end of the year, 17th and fourth in back to back starts in South Africa. And when he was 17th in South Africa, he was fourth after 54 holes. So conceivably, he could have been inside the top five for all of those finishes. And when you look at the fact that he was third in Bermuda's coastal form, he was um, inside the top 10 after two rounds at the Worldwide Technology Championship as well. I think this is in Matty Schmidt's wheelhouse. So uh, really interesting to see how the German gets on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, missed the cut here last season. But he bounced back from a 72 to shoot 67 in, in the second round, so only just miss it. So, yeah, the way Matthew Schmidt's playing, Brad, I think he's definitely worth a pick at uh, yeah. 120 to one or whatever it is he's over here now. Um, so yeah, that's it. They are my final picks. Any closing comments for the Sony Open? No, just looking forward to it. It's great yeah. field. Great event. Great field. Um, I can't find Matty Schmid in this uh, betting market now, which makes me think I can't find the actual odds that I want to put up. Um, I think he's uh, 200 to 1 bet Fred's better oh, that's, that's why, it's because he's, he's five places and he's 200 to 1. Um, you might be able to, let me quickly check for you, because they have alternative markets, bet Fred. We can do that. Hold on, listeners. He can, so basically, he's 200 to one with Betfred, and we're just seeing if we can get alternative eight places. But he's eight places, 125 with Skybet is probably the play, if not. Right. There we go. Sorry, it's loading very slowly. <laughs> so, Schmid, 200 to one. 
Yeah, 200 to 1, six places you can get. There you go. 200 to 1, six places if you want to go with Schmid or 125 to 1, eight places, whatever float should go there. But um, I like him uh, in both markets there. Mm-hmm. That's it then. It's only open. So we'll summarise our picks for that one. So I've gone with JT Poston at 33 to 1. Matt Kuchar, I think 40 to 1, 10 places is the play. Andrew Patman, 50 to 1, 8 places. And Matty Schmid, you can go uh, 226 places or 125 to 18 places, whichever way you want to do it. Um, those are my picks in the Sony. And your picks, Brad? I've gone for Corey Connors, 28 to 1, Paddy Power, that's eight places. Uh, JT Poston, 33 to 1, eight places, Paddy Power. And I've gone for Ben Coles, 100 to 1, eight places, Skybet. Absolutely. I'm not going to drag the, the prices back up again, but for the Dubai Invitational, I've gone with Rasmus Hoygaard, Dan Bradbury, Antoine Rosner and Sean Crocker. And Brad's gone with Rasmus Hoygaard, Dan Bradbury and Audrey Arnaus. So right, we're yeah. basically hoping for the Dan Bradbury, Jay-Z Post and double this week. Um, mm-hmm. Kick things off in 2020. That's it. Uh, quick one. Yeah. Who, who would be your, who's going to be top ranked? DP World Tour player this year. Well, they're not DP World Tour players anymore. Yeah. In top, the Sony Open. Top ranked. Um, he's come over. Hi Satsune could be a shout actually. Actually, he's he's the same price as um, Bjork. Yeah, Hi Satsune. It's weird, isn't it? Because they we've had a lot of kind of Japanese players playing this event. I think they get sponsors invitations, don't they? And, mm, they don't do uh, that well, do they? They've 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 not. You've had kind of um, Nakajima and Semikawa and that play here before without necessarily making a dent in it. But Isasune seems a little bit more. I don't know what the word mm. is like, sort of chiselled or. or yeah, he's, he he's does, been around a bit more. He feels a bit more complete. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Isasune is yeah. a good one. Um, I'm going to go Sammy Valamaki. I think he'll enjoy it. He loves a bit of wind, doesn't he, Valamaki? Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to actually find them all in the market is, is part of my problem. Um, they're all over the place, aren't they? I guess. Well, you've, got, you've got Valamaki, you've yeah. got uh, McIntyre, yeah. uh, you have got Bjork and Hai Satsune. I can't see any of the rest. Matthew Pavon is also in there, isn't he? Pavon there? I haven't seen yeah, him. he's 200 to 1. Uh, uh, he, he's the other one that's in there. So uh, I, don't, I don't, I can't envision Matthew Pavon winning the Sony Open, but it doesn't necessarily mean he can't. Uh, the they just have to beat the the other four DP World to, uh, previous. Yeah. So we so got so it's between Bjork, Heisen, Sony, McIntyre, Pavon, and Valamaki. Yeah, we're creating our own little market here. I'm going to take are. the outsider. That is the outsider as well, isn't it? I, I'm yeah. going to go with the chalky play and go with Heisen Sony. I think. Um, oh. Yeah, I won't. I won't offer you head to head because that's a bit unfair. But um, I won't yeah. be taking that. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Give me a good what, price. <laughs> what, what about if you went head to head with Bjork and Heisa Sune? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, who do you want? No, who would you pick? Is what I'm saying. I, I, I would go Bjork. There you go. Okay, we'll go. We'll go head to head with Heisa Sune and Bjork then, and then you can okay. you'll come with Valamaki for all the marbles. Um, <laughs> there we go. And then we'll leave him Bob and Pavon as as the forgotten members of the group. Um, yeah, yeah. There we go. All right, Brad. Well, there's there's another uh, event in the books. Hopefully, a repeat success from last week. Another another mm-hmm. week in Hawaii would be nice, wouldn't it? If we keep getting winners in Hawaii, maybe we can go there one day. Uh, that'd be that'd nice. Be nice. Um, so yeah, 
get the winners in. We've got the first event of the DP World Tours kick off the year. Um, I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to make of that event. Like I'm, it's, it's a little bit like I suppose last week you got the tournament champions and it really starts next week at the Dubai Desert Classic. But um, yeah, mm. looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing the new course. Roy McIlroy is playing, isn't he? So yes, it's good fun. But yeah, that's it. All our picks in. Um, if you've enjoyed it, you know, please subscribe, review, all those good things. Share them on Twitter. Obviously, nice group of new followers for the podcast after yesterday's win. So uh, welcome if you've not listened before. Uh, that's it for me, Brad. Anything else? No, that's it, mate. Cool. Lovely Excellent. stuff. There we go. Good luck this week, and I shall catch you in a week. Bye.